you ever try to come for me, she get smashed just like ham sandwiches. Scandalous, vandalous, M.I.A. can't handle this. We on fire like a candlestick and get the crowd pumped up like asses. Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenant House podcast. I'm sure you were expecting the mikvah song, but I decided to mix it up a little today and start with a little Missy Elliott. In fact, when I uh, jog, I either listen to Dafyami or to Missy Elliott. Great, uh, great selection there. And most recently, uh, the last time I went for a long run, it was Missy Elliott. And uh, great person, Missy. Love her. Anyways, my name is Shmuel Tenenhaus, and I am the host of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. So, if you recall, uh, I said I would be doing a weekly episode or trying to do a weekly episode and come out, let's say, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I wasn't exactly sure, and I made sure not to be that specific about it so nobody could have any complaints later on. And yesterday was Tuesday, and... Three of my friends and fellow listeners reached out and said, hey, what's going on? Like, uh, you're going to do that podcast or what? And uh, the fact that three people reached out to me, just three people, what, it, what uh, I realized I have to be grateful for is that um, there are millions of you out there who do listen to the podcast who decided, you know what, let's not message or text Schmuel and pressure him. Uh, when he gets hit, he'll get hit. And so, yes, I do appreciate my friends who reached out. But again, for the millions of you who are out there listening to this, who gave me the grace uh, to, to find the time to report, record this podcast, thank you very much. So uh, I wanted to share uh, three quick anecdotes about what it's like now to be a podcaster. To be a podcaster, you don't even have to, uh, you just have to record one podcast and then you're a podcaster. So what, what is life now uh, doing a mediocre podcast? So the first story is I was riding, uh, driving my car, minivan, which we'll, we'll get to uh, a whole bunch of times, just a criff, quick riff on minivans. Is it just me or when you see another minivan on the street, you automatically assume that it's a relig- religious family. You'll sometimes just pull up alongside them, put the window down and be like, hey, dude, you're going for Shachris Mincha and you can see it's somebody who's totally not Jewish. They just happen to have a minivan. And uh, I think... Potentially, anybody not Jewish having a minivan is cultural uh, appropriation and uh, may not be appropriate. But so anyways, I'm in my minivan cruising down the I-95 and a friend pulls up alongside me and he beeps the horn and he puts down his window and he tells me that he's listening to my podcast. And a couple things to say here that first of all, if there was ever a sign from God that I should be doing this, this is it. Because this person wasn't driving a regular vehicle, was driving uh, a Tesla. And you know that people who have Teslas make the proper decisions in life. Uh, and when a friend gives me advice or he gives me feedback and he has a Tesla, I take it much more seriously than somebody who's just driving a regular car with uh, gasoline. And uh, it, it was very gratifying. And if God forbid at that moment I would have gotten hit uh, by a 18-wheeler, they would have put me into that body bag. I would have had a huge smile on my face. Would have been a, a little weird for the Hebrew Kedisha at first, a little freaky, but uh, Baruch Hashem, that didn't happen. I kept driving along, and it was great. The second thing is, I was in Shul on Shabbos, which, by the way, uh, I did not make it to Shul Friday night, and uh, I was thinking to myself, I have to go to Shul. I have a podcast to promote uh, because I don't have social media, so I can't like slide or promote my podcast 
uh, on social, but I could slide it into a shul conversation like, hey, uh, do you mind just passing me that, that sitter over there? And uh, by the way, uh, Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, listen to it after Shabbos. Um, I was actually thinking about getting a QR code on the back of my kapata uh, so that uh, nobody brings a phone to Shulan Shabbos, but at least the Atzala people who are sitting there playing Candy Crush, yes, you are playing Candy Crush, and no, I don't think it's fair uh, that you get to do that in Shulan Shabbos just because you're part of Atzala, but you guys can snap the QR code and share it with other people. So I was in Shul, and uh, somebody, a female from the Ezra Snushim, from the women's section, said to me, your podcast, and then she gave me a thumbs up. So, yeah, uh, you're asking me what it's like to be a world-class, famous, mediocre podcaster. Uh, this is what it's like. People from the women's section are noticing. Uh, the third thing is I bumped into another friend at Shoal, and he told me that he thinks with this podcast I'm onto something. But uh, just having time to reflect on that conversation, I think what he meant to say was, I think, Shmuel, you're on something. And he's absolutely correct. I am, I am on many things. And shout out to the pharmaceutical industry for making that a reality. Um, so uh, there's so many things to cover here. Um, the first thing is uh, my wife actually has a guest here visiting in the house. I made them each a yogurt bowl. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, my wife's friend reminded me that I had mentioned mold and mold remediation on a podcast, and I said I would talk about it in the future. So without further ado, let's talk about mold remediation. My wife's doctor, uh, my wife has a doctor who is incredible at uh, suggesting different medications, uh, not medications, like alternative medicines that come in the mail all the time, five, six packages a day. Um, There's just a lineup of trucks delivering all these alternative um, medicines, um, like homeopathy and drops and tinctures. And one of the things that she told her was, hey, another thing, if you're looking to spend time during the day um, chasing after things uh, to help with your health, health would be uh, maybe you have mold in your house. Uh, comes out, turns out after some research, I find out that this doctor also owns a mold remediation company, uh, which I consider a huge conflict of interest. Like she's a doctor also. She has a company which removes mold. Anyways, we had mold taken out of my house. And uh, definitely things have improved tremendously. Because before we had the mold removed, uh, these were my conversations with my wife. Um, Hey, babe, uh, we have mold. We got to take it out. Uh, We really got to take it out. Mold is serious. Mold is real. and now that we took the mold out, we don't have those conversations anymore because we took the mold out. But uh, mold remediation is very important. So for example, and, and here's why it's important. If you have an extra $5,000 in the bank and you're like, I, I hate the sight of that money sitting there. I just need to get rid of it, make room for new monies. Like sometimes banks will give you a limit of how many deposits you can do. And so like mold remediation is a great way to like cast away money into the wind and then just make room for new blessings, uh, make a new vessel for new blessings to come in. It's also a great way to support somebody you know who has a mold remediation company. And uh, another thing is with, uh, I think what was actually 
growing mold was just the, mon the money that we used to have just sitting there in the bank. Just, it was green and just getting all moldy. And, and now we took care of the problem because we don't have any of that money left. Um, and uh, with mold, just uh, what, one of the things to keep in mind that they will send over a bunch of people, uh, you know, find people outside of Home Depot. Nobody speaks English. They come in there. They're all wearing leftover PPE from the PPE people in the community that were selling PPE. So there's a lot of uh, gowns, surgical masks, gloves, and they put a lot of fans and they hang sheets around. Um, and then they just bang, uh, make a couple holes in the wall. And uh, they'll take out uh, whatever mold they find, which is exists in every single home in South Florida. And, but they will take it out. And uh, you can actually get a subscription. They'll come every, uh, every month or so, remove any of that new mold that came in after you took out the old mold. So get your mold taken out. Uh, so uh, we're going on to uh, another topic, and that is I want to talk to you about uh, Fleischik Magazine because I've been hearing people dropping it in type of conversation, like casually, like they're the coolest people in the, in the room, like, hey, yeah, I was just reading Inflatix, and Inflatix said this, and Inflatix said that. First of all, I don't care what Inflatix said. Really, I don't. So please stop name-dropping Inflatix. I don't care if, you, if your company was mentioned in it or you know somebody who's a writer there. I don't care. Uh, the second thing is that for people who think that the world is coming to an end and things are just terrible from an anti-Semitic perspective, and it's the end, and the end is nigh, uh, particularly, again, around the rise in uh, anti-Semitism, which, by the way, the reason why there's a rise in anti-Semitism is Kanai Nahara, women are popping out babies and families so quickly, so uh, there are more Jews to hate, so obviously there's going to be a rise in anti-Semitism. But uh, the reason why I'm not so concerned is if you have a magazine, the Jewish community has a magazine called Fleischix, which literally means like a bloody carcass of an animal that we're just feasting on, and this is a regular periodical that comes out, and there are writers dedicated dedicated to talking about, uh, you know, brisket and pastrami and things like that. Then, then it's it's not that bad. Things cannot be that bad because if it wouldn't, if they would be that bad, you wouldn't have people wouldn't even have the mind space or the headspace and the mind share to even have a magazine called uh, Animal Carcass, aka Flashix, because anything Flashix is, by definition, an animal carcass. Um, so uh, I do have some ethical and halachic questions about Fleischik magazine, and I don't want to be uh, like a mood spoiler, but a couple things to, to think about. Number one, uh, if uh, this is just a, a simple, simple question. During the summer, during the nine days, uh, can you read Fleischik's magazine? I mean, do you need to hear a seum? And then, okay, I heard a seum. Now, now, I can I can read Flashix because, you know, it's the nine days. You're not, yeah. The the other question that I have about uh, Flashix magazine is, what if I what if I read Flashix? You know, spend a good forty five minutes, you know, devouring Flashix magazine, and then, uh, you know, a couple hours later, like I happen to be driving by Serendipity uh, ice cream store, and I want to get myself a milchika ice cream, do I have to be like, you know, let me look at my watch. Hey, babe, do you remember what time I read Fleischix? Was it, was it five hours ago? Was it five and a half hours ago? Should I just wait until four o'clock and get the milkshake then? 
Oh, I hate reading Fleischix magazine for six hours. Can't, can't have pizza or anything like that. Um, people like Gashmol, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't so good. And I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry for that. Um, other scary things that are happening in the world now is there apparently is an avocado shortage, which is a terrible thing. That means uh, fewer Jewish families will be throwing out less rotten avocados that are just sitting around in the house uh, in their second or third fridge that they have because every Jewish family needs to have, before a security system, uh, essential household appliance, which is a second or third refrigerator. And uh, with avocados, I've noticed that uh, they, they, they take their time like getting ripe, but it's like that iPhone battery the second it starts crashing, you have like 30 seconds left before your battery goes from like 20 to zero. I find that with an avocado too. Like you can have it on your counter for, you know, maybe three, four weeks. It's as hard as a rock. And then on Tuesday, uh, between the hours of 2 p.m. and 3 p.m., it will just turn into a disheveled raisin on your counter. And people come home and like, did you see the avocado? I only see raisins here. Well, you, you came after three o'clock and they're just, it metamorphosed right away uh, like a butterfly. Uh, I wanna talk about, uh, I've mentioned uh, cannabis in previous episodes and I do apologize for not speaking about it enough. And you know, like peeling back the layers of the onion, I, I can explain wh what's this talk, excessive talk about um, weed and cannabis. And uh, I'll just say, so peeling back one layer of the onion, I did live in Seattle for almost 10 years. During that time, cannabis became uh, legal, recreationally legal. And so I was around for the heyday. I actually worked in the cannabis industry for uh, close to five years. And uh, I will say that whereas in Florida and other places, uh, it's medically legal, uh, in Seattle, it's the law. Um, it's, it's not legal. It's mandatory. You have to smoke weed or you can go to jail. Uh, I remember getting pulled over by a, a police officer one time. He said, excuse me, sir, uh, need your license, registration. Uh, do you have a vape in the car? I can check just to make sure the cartridge is full. Let me see those joints. Um, Okay, good. Those joints look okay. THC looks okay in there. Anyways, uh, so that's just a little background of why uh, it is such a uh, important thing. And uh, I must say that since moving to Florida, I definitely consume way less. Uh, one, because I'm poorer, so we have less uh, disposable budget for it, which is a great thing. And uh, it's probably the biggest hurdle for not doing harder drugs, uh, just lack of funds right now. And then uh, the second uh, reason is I actually, believe it or not, teach, uh, co-teach a Dafyemi class, and uh, my head feels like cottage cheese in the morning if I smoke the night before. Uh, so it's really not conducive to learning. So, uh, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit now about the, the definition of shame. I'm not qualified to do so, and uh, I know very little about the topic, but 
I want to share with you my own unique perspective on shame. Shame is when you are in your 40s and you have it together. Uh, you got spouse, children, uh, semi-respectable occupation, and uh, on Shabbos, uh, you have to bow your head in shame and go over to a total stranger and show uh, and ask him for a lollipop for one of your kids because you suck at being a parent and forgot to bring snacks to show. And, uh, you know, the person lording over the candies uh, because he doesn't suck at being a person, actually does suck at being a person, but not with regards to preparing candy for show. Uh, he makes you go through the whole rigmarole of, what's your name? Shmuel Tenenhaus. How old are you? <clears throat> In my 40s. Uh, can, I just, can I just get that lollipop? Um, bigger shame is having to come back to the same schmuck about five minutes later and go, <clears throat> excuse me, sir, uh, sir, this is Shmuel from before. If I could, <clears throat> if you don't mind just switching this green one for a purple one. Yeah, my daughter, she's not going to touch the uh, green one. And by the way, nobody likes any of the green lollipops. So next time you think you're doing everybody a favor by coming to show with a bag of candy, please take out the green ones or the yellow ones before coming to show. Because like you, nobody likes the green ones or the yellow ones. Um, I have an important announcement to make about this podcast. Um, so we started off strong. Uh, it's been downhill ever since meaning rolling downhill with lots of momentum. And I have decided to end uh, and conclude the first season of this podcast. That is correct. So next week, God willing, when we do this podcast, it will be season two of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. Now, why would I just jump right into season two? Well, I feel like I started really late uh, doing this podcast. I should have done it. Uh, after my birthday, like I had mentioned, which was in September. And so because I haven't really made enough traction like I wanted to, I feel like just mentally saying, hey, this is season two will feel like I'm more advanced in it. I also want when people are talking amongst themselves about the podcast, they could be like, yeah, it's season one, eh. season two. Don't worry. Trust me. Trust me. Just start season two. Season two gets a lot better. Um, and uh, also, it's the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, and I am Shmuel Tenenhaus. So I decided I want a, a second season. So I'm excited to invite all of you back to season two coming next week. Now, the podcast is not over right now, but I just wanted to let you know, don't be in for a surprise when uh, we start season two. Very excited for season two. Uh, a lot of surprise coming, surprises coming, stuff that I don't, I myself don't even know know about. So I want to talk about uh, the apocalypse, and uh, you know there there's a point that I'm trying to get to, which is if the world does come crashing down and there is an apoc- apocalypse. Uh, what I want to know is what happens, 
to everybody's forever stamps that you you bought. Like, they're not supposed to ever go away because they are forever stamps. They last forever. So I have never asked anybody in the post office, you know, like, how forever are these? Uh, But I'm just curious, really, like, is, is it... Again, if the world comes to an end, like when Mashiach comes, are are we still going to be using forever stamps because they last forever? The other thing is, I was thinking that this would make a great bar mitzvah gift because, unlike anything else, you give to a bar mitzvah kid that will not last forever. Thanks a lot for nothing. You give me temporary items. I think the next kid who gets bar mitzvah, I'll give him a sheet of forever stamps because a bar mitzvah, like a forever stamp, will last them forever. Which brings me conveniently into my next ad read. Do you need stamps for your business? Do you just uh, have a thrill in taking stamps and uh, putting them onto your forehead and walking around like an idiot with postage on your face. Well, if you do, go to stamps.com. It is a website that sells stamps. Also, the URL, the domain, is very easy to remember. Stamps.com, they sell stamps. Now, when you're at stamps.com, please, at checkout, put the Schmuel Tenant House podcast. And for those of you who are just joining in for the last episode of the first season, uh, I do not have any advertisers because, as we've mentioned, uh, advertising travels together very closely with uh, success and an audience, which I have neither of. But at the same time, we have to fake it till we make it. So I am faking ads straight up so that I will make real ads in the future. So remember, stamps.com. Okay, another thing that uh, people are talking about is uh, the Tinder swindler. And uh, just have a couple uh, comments on it. First of all, if it were up to me, if I were Netflix, I would completely change the name of that film to, instead of actually the Tinder swindler, I would change it to Every other Israeli I have ever done business with. Ouch! Um, yeah, it does. Uh, he does sound like every Israeli that I've done business with. But again, not every Israeli is is a is a swindler. Schwindler, by the way, in Yiddish, does sound very Jewish, and uh, it also does remind me of that great Nazi movie. Schwinders list. Um, and uh, it's interesting because you would think that people would be shocked from this community, from our community, be shocked and appalled by that movie because the person had his origins in the religious community. But my friend, one of my friends, told me he actually needs to watch it a couple more times so he could learn the best practices of each item that the Tindler Schwindler was doing. Now, moving on to the next topic around uh, 
tuition anxiety. This is something that we've talked about before. And uh, we'll talk about it again because it's a recurring theme uh, in everybody's checking account or a credit card. Uh, and uh, I wanted to share a story and then a theory. So a uh, story that I want to share uh, around tuition and tuition anxiety. So when we were living in Seattle, at some point in time, I did a startup and it was in the cannabis space. Now, my cash flow when I was working for and my income working for a startup was very, very little. Too little, in fact, to be able to pay, or so I thought, for full tuition. And this was not like uh, LEC, which has, in my opinion, reasonable tuition, uh, especially given that teachers need to, uh, what do you call it, get paid? Um, and as if teachers get a lot of money, the crazy thing is the amount of teachers who teach just to save money on tuition. It's, uh, it's a, just a vicious cycle. And so I was there working in, Se working in Seattle for a startup that I co-founded called Lemon Haze which again, we could talk about in, in future episodes if somebody reminds me. Uh, my memory because of uh, cannabis consumption is kind of shot. Um, where was I going with this? Oh yes, so uh, uh, kids were going to a Hebrew academy there and tuition was expensive, full tuition, Kainahari, you got a, a couple of kids going. So I approached the school. They did have tuition assistance program. And I submitted our paperwork to see if based on our income, we were able to get some tuition assistance. And so it's a lot of information you have to pull. They want to know uh, everything, like a bank if you're buying a house. Um, you have to put it all together. And you submit a package. And they come back to me a couple weeks later. And they say, Unfortunately, Mr. Tenenhouse, uh, you were not approved for tuition assistance. In fact, they told me, while we were doing our research, we discovered that up until now, you have been underpaying by about 15 or 20%. So not only won't you be getting a tuition discount, we're actually going to increase your tuition by 15, 20%. This is a true, honest-to-God story. So sometimes the lesson from this is sometimes it's better not to ask. And the truth is when that happened to me, uh, I actually, uh, in a, a moment of uh, Buddha-like Zen or uh, having faith, I realized that Whatever we're going to get from God, we're going to get. And if this is our situation, this is going to be. And fortunately, we were able to afford to pay full tuition. So just a word of caution for all, all you smart people out there thinking that there's no downside to asking for tuition assistance. Could be there is. I also want to posit a theory here as to why there is uh, a lot of angst around tuition other than the fact that uh, for many people, it is a second, third, or fourth mortgage in addition to their home mortgage. And that is, uh, I think when I'm, at least for me, when I'm driving the highway and 
or or not even on the highway when I'm driving, uh, just on a on a regular street, and I pass uh, a Maserati, for example, or a Bentley. You know, uh, the self-loathing kicks in. I'm like, Shmuel, you just you got to work harder. You're just schlepping around in this van. Look at these people driving these nice cars, living much happier lives than you. Look look at them. Um, and I think to myself, you know, I mean, what does a what does a Maserati cost anyways to lease on a monthly t- basis? It's twelve hundred dollars. And what does a Bentley cost? Three grand a month. And I'm like, wait a minute. If we homeschool our kids, and I teach them math, and my wife teaches them science, we can be completely miserable at home with our kids who won't learn a licking thing all year, but cruise around in the coolest cars. And so I think to me, it's like that association with the luxury cars and always making that connection of, do, do I, is this, what's the trade-off here? Especially if the kids are struggling in school or they have to study for a test, I'm like thinking, God, so much stress. I could just be, you know, just living it up in a, in a car with, with uneducated children, but looking sick driving down the road. So I think it's always like that. Okay, so we're going to talk now, next thing, we're going to talk about um, what uh, the most uh, gut-wrenching thing that couples will ever do. Uh, I'm not talking about getting married in the first place. Usually that's just um, naivete. Uh, So what is particularly, or for me, I find the most gut-wrenching thing to do with your spouse uh, is have that budget meeting. Um, My wife would rather poke her eyes out with a fireplace poker uh, than have this budget meeting. And uh, there's nothing like getting together like two adults, realizing that you're spending two, three times the amount of money that is uh, coming in. You start thinking like uh, the physics of it uh, and the math uh, just doesn't quite work out. Uh, I actually uh, have this uh, premonition that the servicemint.com is, while officially it's owned by Intuit, uh, I think that there is a mystery cabal of divorce attorneys who actually came up with the idea of Mint, and uh, they probably get referrals from Mint all the time because, again, nothing will spark uh, matrimonial bliss like uh, working on that household budget. Uh, another thing, uh, which this is, would be a good time to mention, is uh, you know we sit down with your spouse and they're like, "Hey, uh, here's a list of things that we want to do in the house. Like, we got to paint it. Uh, I want to put a gate in the front. Uh, want to convert the garage into a couple of bedrooms. Um, got to get some more furniture. Add a sink into the kitchen." Um, meanwhile, at this point, uh, <clears throat> you know, my bowels are feeling like I just got back from a, a, Mex- a wedding in Mexico, uh, if you know what I mean. And 
I'm thinking, or and 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 you're trying to uh, just muster the the excitement that my wife has, and I was like, "Hey, honey, uh, let's do it. Let's grab a laptop." And she's like, "What does a laptop have anything to do with it?" I'm like, "You want to do all this, right?" And she's like, uh, "Yeah, of course. These these are all my plans, you know. I mean, not necessarily for now, but like maybe like next week or the week after next week." And I'm like, okay, great, Les. So just give me the laptop and let's uh, let's fire up the the internets and uh, <clears throat> I'll create a GoFundMe page for our family here, and uh, we can just put links to all the products on Wayfair and the different websites that we want to get, uh, because uh, <clears throat> well, we ain't gonna get all this stuff that we want to do without uh, the public's uh, generous contributions. So now I uh, want to do a little uh, another ad read. Uh, so here, here it goes. Uh, again, manifesting ads so that one day uh, we have real ads and real monetization on this show. Uh, so uh, do you want to save money? Do you want to eat well? Do you want to enjoy life more? Well, let me talk to you about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a company that... If you're too lazy to go to the grocery store and you're illiterate and can't uh, read a cookbook or uh, still can't afford to order dinner from Uber Eats or DoorDash, HelloFresh is perfect for you. What they'll do is uh, they'll send you the exact amount of ingredients that you need to prepare a meal. And if you don't even have the time to do that, HelloFresh, uh, for an additional fee, will actually sm- send a small person in the box who will pop out and cook the ingredients that they sent you in the box. And they can also tuck in your kids at night and put them to sleep and send them a story because it's HelloFresh. So please go to HelloFresh.com. At checkout, please put in the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast, and you will get absolutely no benefit at all whatsoever from that, other than me getting my rocks off because I think it's hilarious that uh, I'm promoting products uh, that I have no business promoting them. Okay, so uh, actually, I do want to mention here that Somebody, a friend of mine, called me, as a matter of fact, this week to ask me about Casper. Casper is a mattress company that I have promoted before on this podcast. And so, as you, as you can clearly see, uh, this manifestation of ads is accomplishing something. I'm not sure yet what it is, but it's something. So while we're on the topic of Casper, let's do an ad for Casper. Uh, are you, do you have a house and you just uh, sleep on the floor? Do you find yourself at night after you brush and floss, do you find yourself just going and curling up on the dining room table? Well, guess what? There's a, there's a whole world out there where due to just modern technologies and advancements, you can get a mattress 
And did you know that you can buy a mattress on the internet? Yes, an internet company will ship a mattress to your home in a box. And if you see, if you, if you enjoy watching um, grown men cry, you can watch the poor single delivery guy who's in his 70s trying to schlep that box off his truck and up the stairs to your house. Now, Casper.com uh, will send you the mattress, and if you don't like it, which my wife did not like the mattress, you can send it back, and they will give you a complete refund whatsoever. I mean, not whatsoever. There will be no questions asked. Um, they may ask you, like, why do you want to return it? And you could be like, because it's very uncomfortable. But everybody's different. You might like it. Your spouse might not like it. Your spouse could like it. You won't like it. But uh, get the Casper uh, mattress. Go to casper.com forward slash the Schmuel Tenant House Podcast. And if you can uh, spell the, T-H-E, don't spell it, M-I-S-S, M-I-S-S-I, S-S-I-P-P-I, which spells Mississippi. That is not how you spell the. So just go straight with the. Okay. Uh, I want to end off with a... uh, something a little sobering, just talking about uh, exposing some more emotional rawness on my part. Uh, we talk about we talked before about shame. Now I want to talk a little bit about um, things that trigger me in particular, and I ask those who listen who are listening, please do not take advantage of this vulnerability that I'm about to expose. By the way, just for somebody feeling vulnerable or experiencing vulnerability, that is such a difficult world, word to pronounce. Like imagine you're just feeling so vulnerable and you're experiencing vulnerability. Th- does that add to your situation by having to uh, break your teeth uh, trying to get uh, or enunciate that word? I don't think it, it, it's, doing, it's doing a lot of good. So uh, just talking about my vulnerability. So a word, uh, words that are particularly triggering to me, and I'm not exactly sure why, maybe I have an idea, is uh, when I hear people saying that other people are killing it, like, you know, this guy, he's killing it, and that guy, oh, he's really killing it, especially if there's an adjective before it. If a guy's killing it, that's okay. But if it's a person who's just like really, really killing it, uh, and then you tell me about his cousin who's also killing it on Amazon, and the guy's brother is just totally, totally killing it and murdering it and annihilating it and just shooting it point blank in the head with cash advance or real estate for that matter. I guess I just start thinking about like, wait a second, what's all this killing going around? I'm not killing anything. I'm just barely trying to to put together, scrape together a podcast, and I and I do marketing, but I'm not. Nobody's getting killed. Uh, there's no skin being flayed off. And uh, sometimes, you know, I'll be talking to my wife, and she'll be like, "You know what? I just heard like, so she told me that 
He's really actually killing it. And uh, usually when I hear about five, six people in a row who are killing it, um, you know, I start thinking, you know, where's the closest crowbar and uh, third-party alcohol closet I can bust into and drown my sorrow over other people killing it? The truth is, if I hear about a tragedy, God forbid, in between hearing about people killing it, I'll be like, okay, listen, it, it balances itself out. But if it's just going to be killing it and killing it and killing it, um, you know, I'll just start breaking out into cold sweats. And the worst is I'll call my psychiatrist or therapist, because I have a team of people. It's very important to get... Um, to get a team of people, uh, chiropractor, chiropractor, acupuncturist, um, physical therapist. So I will call him and I'll be like, hey, can you, um, I'm getting really triggered by all these people killing it here. Um, is it possible that you can give me a prescription to either Xanax or the benzos? I've heard very good things about benzos. And uh, I start thinking to myself, like, I'm probably not the first prescription that this doctor is writing today. This is probably his, like, 10th or 11th prescription. This doctor is just killing it writing all these prescriptions. And CVS is just killing it, all these people coming to pick up their prescriptions. It's just like a never-ending chain of people killing it. Uh, by the way, I wanted to share some great news that I have secured a dinner reservation at Cafe Noir. Uh, I was making jokes a couple episodes ago about uh, the difficulty about getting uh, a reservation. So now... Uh, I got a reservation. It's for it's a couple months out, yeah, and it's not necessarily a very good uh, time slot. Time slot. I think it's they got me something in Tishabov morning, um, so I, at least I can sit there. I can eat it after the fast, but I can actually go into the store and sit there and uh, smell all the good things that are being made. But uh, the only downside is I I spoke with the restaurant, and it seems like the reservation I got is actually not a reservation to eat here, but it is a reservation uh, to make a reservation. So in four months from now, I have to call them, and then I could actually make a reservation. So I have a reservation to make a reservation. Uh, There's two layers now of reservations going on to make a reservation. Before we conclude here, The first thing is I wanted to just talk about my journey of starting a podcast, which is a new thing for me. And people are asking me, no, is it successful? No, is it successful? You're making money yet? You're killing it yet? So uh, I wanted to share a great quote from Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And uh, I hope it inspires uh, all of you or some of you, at least the ambitious among you, to start something new. Uh, Here it goes. 
Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success like happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue and only does so as the unattended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. Happiness must happen and the same holds for success. You have to let it happen by not caring about it. I want you to listen to what your conscious commands you, do, you to do and go on to carry it out to the best of your knowledge. Then you will live to see that in the long run, in the long run I say, success will follow you precisely because you had forgotten to think about. So, uh, good thing again, just to keep in mind when uh, you're setting out there to do something. And I just wanted to thank you again for listening to this podcast. And uh, I hope one day, by the way, my, my goal is to do live events. You know, as much as I appreciate one person listening and laughing and another person listening in a different place and snorting at different times of the day, the ability of, to have everybody in a room and kind of laughing at the same time is great. So be on the lookout uh, for a live show at some point in time. We'll get together and do it soon. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the entire first season of the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. I think it was a pretty good season, but I do think uh, next season, season two, is going to be even better than season one. Thank you very much.